Amen. All right. Let's put your phones away. Let's put your seatbelts on and let's listen up. Amen. Amen. Let's press in. Let's lean forward. If somebody's sleeping, wake them up. If you're from here, you know we're not playing. Amen. If you're coming back from Easter service, then you're looking for something. God came to meet you here today, and I'm excited. And, and so we're we ready to go. We're, there is a momentum building. Can you, can you feel it? God getting us back in the building for a resurrection service was not about us. It's about what he's doing. Amen? How he's moving. The, the message just before that was wait for it. Then last week, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, it's not about a bunny and some eggs. It was remember me, says the Lord. This week, I want to ask you, what's next? What's next? We got back in the building, so what? What's next? We got pretty stuff done. It look a little pretty. So what? What's next? We're getting the other side ready for new adventures and new projects, daycare, after school, VBS. Amen. What's next? We're setting off a new ministry today at 2 o'clock. Okay, amen. What's next? What's next for you? You might look at me and say, he's just hyper, it's ADHD and restless leg syndrome or whatever else. Label away. I just get excited because I know what the word says. Amen? And I've seen the faithfulness of God for too long to stay seated, to stop expecting, to stop reaching. Even I'm teaching the team and I'm trying to learn how to rest. But even in my rest, I want to be ready. Even in my rest, I want to be ready. I just, I believe what the word says. I've, you've heard it too many times. I'm stuck on this word in John 15. Whoever abides in me and I in him bears fruit. It's just a simple thing. If you abide in me and I abide in you, God says, you're going to bear fruit. You can't stay dead. All right. So what's next? What season are we in? The word talks a lot about sowing and reaping, and that's a, a biblical principle. We should walk in that with our finances. Hello. We should walk in that with, and we're not taking an offering. Relax. We, that's already done. With our habits, with our practices, with, with our lifestyles, we should practice this. Think about what we do of sowing and reaping. It's a biblical principle. If you don't like what you're reaping, check what you're sowing. Check what you're sowing. You don't like the way the marriage is feeling? Find out what you're doing. See what you're sowing. Check the seed, amen? Oh, that's a whole nother message. We ain't ready for that one. What's next? Watch this. Watch this. In the same scripture, it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done. I never preached on that because that's a dangerous scripture. Ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. That's a dangerous scripture because our immaturity, the first thing, what did you just ask for right now? 
lotto numbers. Come on. Mega. Somebody inside just said mega. Ask whatever you wish. It's a dangerous scripture because you, you, you just thought, you just touched the keys to your car. You're like, God, you know what car I want. Give me a million dollars in Jesus' name. See, but, but there's a catch to this. There has to be an abiding before there's an asking. See, and, and when, you, when, when there's an abiding, there, then you want what he wants. You want more than money, you want his will. You want more than money, you want to be included in his plan. You, you want more than money because how many people hit the lotto and then they broke two years later? Some of you say, yeah, but that was a great two-year stretch. <laughs> Hallelujah. But can you imagine being a millionaire for two years and then back to Section 8? Like, what? <laughs> you want more. When, you abide, when he abides and you abide, then you want, you want more. You want what he wants. You want his will. You, you want, and, but does God want us to be fruitful? Yeah, the next scripture says, by this, by this my father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. Okay, so what's next? Tell somebody what's next. What's next? We went through and we talked about the Holy Week, the Passion Week, last week, Monday through Friday, life, death, new life. This week leading up to the resurrection, Easter Sunday, the biggest, most celebrated day in the church. The day that most people come out. The day that every church is packed and every pastor's happy. I looked around at 11 o'clock and I said, that's why pastors kill themselves. Easter Sunday, there's 500 people you can't fit in the building. At 11 o'clock, there was a lot of empty seats. And I started, I was reading about that because I think every pastor reads about that the Monday after Easter. That day in every church feels packed and people come out with their friends. And I was reading some blogs about it and I read some people's responses about why. I want to like know why. And, and, and people are like, yeah, I try to make it out to church at least on Easter. I was reading. These are people's real replies. Even though I'm not very religious or even though I'm this or even though I'm that, I try to bring the family out at least for Easter. Sometimes Christmas. Sometimes Palm Sunday because I want to get one of those good luck charms to hang in my car. And so I was reading of these accounts of well-meaning people, people with good intentions, people maybe with good hearts, with good motives. And, and they say, yeah, I have to bring my family to church for Easter because it's what good people do. But my question is, but for what? What's next? What's next? So, so let's get into the scriptures and let's, fee, let's see what happens next. Amen? <coughs> Biblically, socially, physically, nationally, historically, what happened after the resurrection? Let's look at the Gospels. You know the Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You'll find them in your New Testament. Amen? Most of you use digital, so it's easy. You just scroll. So after the resurrection, if we look at the end of John, John ends at chapter 21. And Jesus appears to them. 
And, and John tells us that he, he caught them fishing one day. This was after the resurrection. One day after they just decided, one of them said, hey, I'm going fishing. And the other one said, hey, I'll go with you. And so they, 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 they went fishing, and so they, they had followed Jesus. They had walked with him everywhere. Now the crucifixion happened. Peter denied him. The rest scattered. He was killed. His body was put in a, in a, in a tomb, and they go fishing. Did you know that there's, um, well, anyway, um, um, well, no. Do you know that there's historical data outside of the Bible? I just want, I love to be an apologist. I want you to understand what you believe. I never ask somebody to, to believe blindly without kind of really researching and really studying. And you should do your, your, your homework. You should do your, you should know what your word says because you'll have one knucklehead at your job that'll just quote the internet off of you. You say, yeah, but there's contradictions in the Bible. Walk away. And you and you left there. Uh, you should know. Amen. Do you know that there's historical data outside of the Bible, outside of Christian writing, that records that this Jesus really lived, that he really walked the earth, and that during the time of Pontius Pilate, he was really sentenced to die by crucifixion. There's historical data that says this happened. Amen? So now what? After hiding for a little, they went back to what they used to do. And he comes to them, he came to them again, not in judgment. He wasn't screaming, yo, why'd you scatter? I thought you was my ride or dies. What happened? He didn't come, he didn't come, yet. why were you afraid? Why didn't you fight? He, he sought them out and he found them again. Say amen. And, and he even helped them catch fish. He, he caught them fishing and they weren't even doing no good at what they're good at. He said, we've been fishing all day. We ain't ca he, he caught them fishing and they weren't catching. He helps them catch fish. And, and the word says that they caught a boatload of fish and they dragged the, the, the net in. And he said, let's eat. Vamos a comer. Oh, no, that's 2 o'clock. Let's eat. He said, let's eat. Got to get that one ready. And so... <laughs> So now what, right? So, so he says, why? He helped them catch fish. And then, and then I, I love the way the scripture, because God is so cool. God is an illustration in himself. It says, so he took the fish and he broke the fish and he handed it out to them. And then he took the bread and he broke. How you know God can say something without saying nothing, amen? And so when he broke the bread and when, and when he broke the fish, they, they, it, it, it was, oh my God, this is God. They had a moment, Amen. He didn't have to say nothing. It was a remember me moment. Remember what I called you for. Remember what I called you out of. God could say things without words sometimes. Amen. By taking the bread and the fish, he said, remember me. I called you from this life. I called you to be fishers of men and you're going back to catching fish. And you're not even good at it. Somebody needs to hear that today. Remember me. I called you from this life. What are you doing back where I first found you? What are you doing here? What are you doing there? I'm not yelling at you. I'm just, you know, projecting my voice. What are you doing? What's next for you? Okay, the book of Matthew and Mark, they end pretty much the same way. After the resurrection, an angel is at the tomb. And the angel talks to Mary Mary. 
you know, Mary the mother and Mary Magdalene. So the angel talks to Mary, Mary, and then Jesus meets them, and then and, and he says, tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. And in Matthew, we find out that the guards, they, the guards that were protecting the tomb, right? Remember, the, the, the Romans set, set, protected the tomb because they said, we don't want nobody stealing the body, and then saying, oh, he rose, he's not there. So the Romans put their best guards, I would imagine, their, their marine snipers. At the, right, snipers. I mean, they had every vantage point. They were guarding that thing. Sealed, big stone tomb locked. It's on lockdown. No into this thing. In Matthew, we find out that the guards went to the chief priests, and they told them what happened. They say, yo, the stone's not there. He's gone. And so the chief priest says, look, it says that they assembled the elders, and they sought counsel. And this is what they did after they, this is the religious folk of the time. This is why Jesus got angry at people. Our religious people. He, they sought counsel. They decided, this is what they decided to do. After bringing all these godly men together to seek counsel, they guard some money and tell them to say the disciples stole the body while, he was, while we were asleep. Stupid story for two reasons. If you were asleep, how did you know the disciples came and stole it? Amen. Amen. Number two, second reason. <coughs> that was funny. What kind of Mission Impossible Tom Cruise type shenanigans had to happen here for these fishermen to come in like some elite soldiers, stuff mode, tranquilize a dart, put the guards to sleep, snap their neck. or No, they had to leave them alive because they had to tell the story. Steal, roll away the tomb. Steal the body. Right? And then, you know, leave it. And then without you guys waking up. What kind of, what kind of stuff? And so, think about that. So Matthew ends at Galilee, where, where Jesus meets the disciples again. And it says that some worshipped and some doubted. But he came to them and he says this in Matthew. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. So, so what's next for his followers? Jesus says, go, tell people, teach people, show people, I'll be with you no matter what. That's what's next for the apostles. He's saying, go, talk to people, tell people, show people, teach people. I'll be with you no matter what. The book of Luke ends, it gives a little more details, but again ends with the resurrection, his appearance to them, and his, his commission to go to all the nations and share what they've witnessed. And then he reminds them what he promised. He says, but, but stay in the city that the Father would send them a helper. He tells them, stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. And then they worshipped him once more, and he ascended and was carried into heaven. Three of two or three of the Gospels talk about the ascension, how they walked with him, and then at one point they couldn't go any further, and then he just ascended into heaven, and they watched him go up into heaven. Can you imagine the scene for a moment? This Jesus who had spent three years with them, who, who did the most amazing things they had ever seen, who was wisdom himself. He changed the very atmosphere every time he spoke, amen? 
He spoke to trees and they withered or bloomed. He spoke to waves and they subsided. He spoke to storms and they stopped. He spoke to small baskets and made them bountiful banquets to feed thousands. He spoke to jugs of water and wine. To those possessed and oppressed and they were free. Chains were broken. He, he spoke to lepers and they were clean. He spoke to the lame and they got up and walked. He spoke to the mute and they spoke back. He spoke to deaf ears and they listened. He spoke to eyes and they saw. He even spoke to the dead and they came to life. They had just seen him taken, and they had seen all that, but now at this point they had seen him taken and beaten and crucified and put to death in the most cruelest, most degrading, painful way possible. And for what? He said it was to take the sins of those who haven't even asked for forgiveness. Can we wrestle with that a moment this morning? He became the sin bearer for those who weren't even sorry they sinned. Wow. Listen, some of us here are really nice people. Some of us not so much. Yeah. And, and if somebody asks us for forgiveness, some of us are nice enough to forgive them. Some of us are nice enough to, to even try to build bridges again. Some of us are even nice enough to, to try to forget. Some of us are nice enough to, to get past, to start to trust again. Some, some of us, right? Amen? But the nicest of us in the room would find it most challenging to forgive those who aren't even sorry. And the word says, while we were yet sinners, he paid for our sin. He died for us. And so they've seen this man go to the cross. And now they've seen him go to the tomb. And on the third day, he wasn't there, just like he said. The gospels all end with the story of the resurrection. And then we have this promise of Pentecost. So what's next for the apostles, for his disciples, and for his followers? What's next for you and for me? The book of Acts picks up where the Gospels left off. I love that. After you hear the good news, you got to act on it. Come on, that's good. That's better than you guys are acting like. Once you hear the good news, you got to act on it. The book of Acts picks up where the Gospels leave off. That's why I, I, I don't understand people sometimes. Let me get the family to church on Easter. Then what? Then what? For what? What's next? Book of Acts chapter 1. For 40 days after the resurrection, he appeared to them. And 
he presents himself to his followers, giving people proof that he was alive. Now, let's think about this logically for a minute. Remember, I, I want you to have the words to explain to those that come and question, to those that, that have reservations. Some of you here might have reservations because you've been on the internet too long. And you think everything you read on the internet is true. It's on the internet. got to be true. I read it. Just because something is in print doesn't make it true. Somebody say amen. amen. And that goes for every, every form. Amen. I'm not saying just because it's Christian it's true. Check it. So let's think about this logically for a minute. If this was not true, what if the resurrection never happened? Two things to consider about the gospel and about your willingness to believe and your willingness. Because I'm going to ask you today, what's next for you? What are you going to do? Do we, do we just keep meeting in a building? Do we just, or, or, or what's next? So, so you have to ask yourself these two questions. It's two things to consider about the gospel and about your willingness to believe. About the time this was written, there were still people alive who had experienced it. This is key. There wasn't enough time from when it happened to the writings about it for it to be some kind of folklore or some kind of fable or some kind of uh, <coughs> fairy tale that was passed down from generations. People were still alive who were there. Understand what that means. They could easily say, yo, that's not true. They can say, but this man, he was crucified, but then the tomb, the, and, and somebody that was there reading these writings, the person would be old. He would be an, uh, an elder by now. He would say, listen, listen, that's not true. There'd be people still alive that can answer and say, that's not true. This is what happened. He never rose. This is, you know, and the, this story would never have gotten to the Bronx today. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve, and then after that He appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now. But some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to the apostles, and last of all, and as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, but I persecuted, because I persecuted the church of God. So if this were a lie, or a fable, or a fairy tale, if the disciples, in fact, had become trained green berets, and were able to roll the stone away, steal the body in front of the guards whose job it was to make sure that that didn't happen. Let's say that it happened that way. That would mean that the disciples, his followers, would know that Jesus is still dead. What implications does that have for us today? They would know that he never rose. If they knew he lied, let me ask you this, why would they stay on course? I know this is a little teaching, not preaching. It's not a lot of amen, but I want you to get this. I want you to have this in your, in your mind, in your knowledge. I want you to own this so that you know. If they knew that he lied, why would they stay on course? The book of Acts starts, and then he told them to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. I don't know how you guys wrote, but if, something, if it was me, I would be like, no. 
No, I'm not going to wait and drink. The liar. Why would I wait? He already lied. When somebody lies to me about something as huge as this, I wouldn't have stayed on course. I wouldn't have followed through. And, and so people could have said, oh, but he said to wait. And I would have said, I don't care. He also said he was coming back, but he's dead. He said the Father would send us a comforter, the Spirit of God, and he would walk with us, and he would lead us, and he would guide us, and he would bring to remembrance everything he ever said to us. Hey, I don't care. He lied. He's dead. I, I, he's dead. I mean, it would be, you know, I know what you did last summer. You, you know that, that it would be like, I know what you did last Easter. You took the body and you, you hid it. But these men stayed on course. As a matter of fact, these men who were, who were the biggest cowards because they were always denying God or running away or even when they came to, they scattered. They were, they were hiding. They were in church someplace, like some of us, don't want to do nothing, we just want to hide in church. Nobody at your job knows you even got the spirit of the living God inside you. How come these men all of a sudden are empowered, all of a sudden have this, 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 this newfound faith and this newfound courage? They stayed on course, they were faithful to the end. Now, some people we know today, some people will give their lives for their faith. Right? But would anybody lay their lives down for what they know was a lie? Most of these guys gave their lives to carry out the great commission that Jesus left them. Paul says in, in, in 13, he says, but if there's no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is also in vain. So what proof do we have that he rose? The book of Acts and everything that follows, the promise of the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 1, the start of the church, the fellowship of the believers, Acts chapter 2, the spread of the gospel, the thousands of manuscripts of these very scriptures that we still have today are all proof of the resurrection, proof of what happens, proof that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, John chapter 1, and in Him was life, and His life was the light of men, and this light still shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not been able to overcome it, and the Word became flesh, and it dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. So what's next, family? What's next for you? What are you going to do with that? Worship team, you guys could come. What are you going to do with that? I'm sorry this has kind of been like a, a debate, but I wanted, to, I wanted it to be a debate so that you would be equipped. Because around this season, you know, we could... The, the conversation is up and the conversation comes up and, and your internet theologians will shut you down. But when you're equipped, when you know the truth, when you could say, no, nah, man, did you know that Josephus and Tacitus and those, they weren't even Christians and they wrote about Jesus. This man lived. Do you know that Tacitus, who was even against the church, but he writes historically that this man lived and during the time of Pontius Pilate, he was crucified. That he went believing some craziness. 
So there's proof outside of the scriptures that this happened. I want you to be equipped. What's next now? What are you going to do with that? The book of Acts chapter 2 says his followers were gathered. And as they were waiting, they were in strides, they were instructed to, they were together in one place. And that's so powerful. I don't think the scriptures just mean that they were in one place geographically. I think it means that they were together in one place spiritually. In expectation. They were in unity. They were in fellowship. They were in one accord. Amen? If we could just lay down our insecurities and our agendas and wrestle with our Now, the word says signs and wonders will follow those that believe. Family, I'm looking for that. I'm looking for that. Not that I want signs. I don't want to go like that and knock you all down. Uh, I want your lives to be so changed that there's signs and wonders in your life. I want, I want people to follow you to church, not because it's Easter, but I want them to follow you to the truth because you have something they can't find anywhere else. So what's next for you? Maybe, maybe we need to do more than just gather in a building. Maybe we need to walk this thing out in our daily lives. What would that even look like for some of us? Maybe we talk to him more. Maybe we listen more. Maybe we love each other more. Maybe we could understand each other better. Maybe we could forgive each other. Maybe the world will know us by our love for one another. Listen, I give you that history today, but it's not, I don't believe in convincing anybody to believe in God. So don't, don't take this, this uh, knowledge and go and try to convince people to believe in God. Because if you could talk somebody into it, somebody smarter than you could talk them out of it. The beautiful thing about the gospel is that we don't find God. God finds us. Oh, man. God finds us fishing or doing whatever it was we were doing before we came here. He finds us in our mess. He, he called these guys while they weren't even looking for him. He finds us in our doubt. He said to Thomas, after the resurrection, you need to see for yourself here. Put your hands on the scars. The word says God finds us and he draws us to him. So if he's drawing you today, can I just ask you to stop fighting? And just Some of you have been fighting for so long. Church is exhausting to you. You still come. I don't know why. But you come to fight me. You come to fight what, what God wants to do. You come to fight what he's calling you to do. As we worship for a few minutes here in closing, before we get geared up for round two, if 
you need to come to him, would you come? If you need somebody to pray with you, you want us to then just raise a hand and, and, and we'll come and do that. Because we just want what God wants. Amen? All we want is what God wants. And he says, if you abide in me, and I abide in you. Come on. Come on, church. Let's worship. Altars are open. If you need us to pray with you, we'll stand and pray with you. But come, come. Jesus. I'm better, I'm better, I'm better.
those that are new to the church or you're new here if you're if what's next ask yourself what's next for you and your walk what's next from I I don't know about you but I, I want I want what God wants for me I want to be connected in such a way that I can hear his voice 
that I could that I could feel his amen on my decisions. That I can hear his guidance. That I can know that he's leading me step by step. Some of you have sicknesses that don't even exist. But because there's been a bitterness, or there's been an unforgiveness, or there's been, and, and it's this manifestation in you that's a sickness that's not even, it's not even health related. And God is saying, just release it to me today and be healed. See, Jesus is the only one who claimed to be God who's not in the grave right now. You say, Mohammed is dead and buried. Buddha is in the ground, but Jesus rose from the dead, and because he rose, he lives to walk with you. He protects you. He's your helper. You see, you are not alone because he lived. Because he's alive, and that's why we worship him. And I know he's alive. I don't need any more convincing, because every day I speak with him. I walk with him. I, when I'm in my car, he drives with me. He's my healer, deliverer. And for every one of you, 
If you've got Jesus in your heart, he's alive, he's alive forevermore, and he's got a perfect plan for your life. He didn't just die and go away and leave us with a book of instructions. Here's what to do. But he's here to help you to walk it out every day. One more step. Another day of faith. We're moving forward in him. So I want to give you one more chance to respond to this message. If you're here and you're saying, because he's alive, I'm going to be alive in him. I'm going to seek him with all my heart. And I choose today to follow him wherever he leads me. You see, there's more. There's more for you. He's got plans, the Bible says, to bless you, to give you a hope and a future. So I'm going to ask you right now, if you're making that choice, just as, a, as the sermon was entitled, What's Next? Whatever's next, I'm following him. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. Who's a, who out there? I bet you there's somebody out there, Pastor George, that's saying, I'm ready. I'm going with him. So, Father, I just release your blessing over each one, God. Father, we thank you, Lord God. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord God, for your blessing. But we thank you for the knowledge, oh God, that you have chosen us to do your work to be your hands and your feet and your mouthpiece, God. So as we go on our way, as we go back to our families, we are alive. We will proclaim it everywhere that we go, in our jobs, in our schools, oh God. So Father, we thank you today, Lord God. We thank you for your plans and your purposes in our lives. So I just release the anointing and the blessing of God over you. Yes, God. You see, there's got to be an excitement to you, in you, because he's a God where you never know what's next. He's a God of adventure. He's not that boring old God that some church somewhere might have presented him as. So just receive, receive, just lift your hand just in closing. Receive the anointing, the empowerment of God. Receive the power of a God who's alive, who lives, and he lives in you. That's the miracle. That's the mystery of the gospel. Christ in us. He's in you. And you are alive, so I bless you. So go in the knowledge today that there is a God who came out of the grave. Yes. And he's gone home with you. You are 
not alone in Jesus' name. together.